Recovered Addict Podcast. What we up? got Dwayne Yardman Frank in the house. Who else? Uh, Jason Rigby here. I want to get into today, and I think this will be interesting. I mean, you know this. You've lived it for 13 years. Why so many people fail? Mm. They go to a meeting. They spend tens of thousands of dollars in a program. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. week, two, three weeks, month, two months later, they're using again. Yeah. So I think this is a uh, this podcast is going to show you the blind spots, the things that you're not thinking about, the motivation for you to be self aware enough to catch on, because your mind is going to play a trick with you. The ego, when you're in your ego, you can't solve it. Your ego can't solve your addiction. Mm, very good. Yeah, very good. The ego um, exasperates the addiction. Yes, it makes it possible. If I'm in my ego, I also have to be unconscious. And usually, at least for me in my experience, the unwillingness to change, the failure. The unwillingness, yes. The unwillingness to change, yes. the failure of attempts to enter mm-hmm. recovery programs. Mm-hmm. I have all those experiences. Um, all of that had my ego wrapped up in it. All of that involved... Um, a denial of of uh, and a lack of reality. I can't really see reality, so I'll figure it out. Mm, yes. I'll be big enough. Mm. Dwayne and his own devices will <laughs> figure this out. Right. I, our, I have our, to figure it out. Or you know, I deserve this. Mm-hmm. I can do this. I can handle this. Mm-hmm. I, I'll just drink beer, not alcohol. Very good. Yes. I'll, um, I'll, I'll do weed, not coke. <laughs> I'm big enough to figure this out. Yes. And then I substitute one addiction for the next. Yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. So we we all know, more than anything, if you're motivated enough, you can solve anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, motivation is the key ingredient. Somebody that's really motivated to give up their addiction, and you can white-knuckle it. You know hundreds of people that's white-knuckled it mm-hmm. and have been motivated enough where they've gone through addiction programs they've gone to the meetings they've and they've just kind of i gotta change like i have to change and in that motivation they've done it but there's that's that's a that's a a way that you can do it and i think motivation is dirty fuel Mm. and i may be wrong so correct me on this but there's like clean fuel Mm -hmm. you can put in your hot rod or you can put dirty fuel in your ferrari and, and your fryer will run for a period of time with the dirty fuel. But, and you know this with gyms, you know, with motivation alone is not going to get you to the gym. Very good, yeah. Because motivation comes and goes with emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not motivated to go to the gym myself. You are, but I, I have not got to the point where I'm excited to go to the gym. That's very good. That's a very good. I have to go to the gym, but I'm not excited to go. Yeah. It's very- I know eat ice cream nice (laughs) me too (laughs) it's very good to just understand the difference between motivation and dedication Mm -hmm. and i believe that's what you're touching on here and motivation is an emotion Mm -hmm. and human beings don't feel the same emotion 100 percent of the time right like we're just up and down creatures and Mm -hmm. that's the way we'll always go through the world so i have to be willing to navigate my ups and downs in regards to my emotions motivation is an emotion Discipline Mm -hmm. is an action. Yeah, it's like you were just telling me about the weekend that you went through with with, uh, addiction program that you were you spent a whole weekend in the mountains. Yeah, I was very blessed. So you had somebody that had fifty four years. 
or 53? Yeah, 53 years. 53 years of recovery recovery, and, and absence not from having drugs and alcohol. alcohol, drugs and alcohol. And then you had somebody that had one day. Mm-hmm. Now, the person with one day, because you guys love them so much, they are motivated in that moment not to use. And probably during that weekend, they would be motivated enough not to use. Mm-hmm. Now, the person with 53 years, he has the dedication. Yes. yes. It's not going to, he's a week from that meeting, not going to use. No. More than likely. More than with likely. With 53 years. Yeah. Because he's gone through. <laughs> yeah. Now, she is going to face when she's all alone in her apartment, not, you know, and that motivation wears off. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. Could use again. The odds of those two, the 53 years and the one day, mm-hmm. motivation's not going to help either of those two people. You see? Do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. In long term. What we're interested in doing is creating a new lifestyle. Yes, 100%. Creating a new way to navigate the world. And in my addiction, I navigated the world with a substance making me okay. Right. That makes I sense. Need yes. this substance in order to be okay, in order to live in the world. And now we enter recovery program, and I still have to live in the world without the substance. So learning new tools, new disciplines to navigate the world are what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So really it's the design for living. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in redesigning my paradigm, redesigning how I approach reality. And yeah, motivation can only last so long. It will only get me so far. Let's say a couple of weeks. Let's say three months. I've made it three months, totally white knuckling it before. And um, I was living at home <laughs> with my mom, and she was like, you can be here, you can stay here, I love you, but you can't drink. I said, okay, I won't drink. I had no spiritual solution. I had no exposure to any type of program or support group. I was just white-knuckling it, motivated to have a roof over my head. I was such an asshole to be around because my emotions were so raw she kicked me out of the house three months sober. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, the whole point of having the house was I wasn't going to drink. And then it was very easy for me to say, fuck it, I'm drinking. Yeah, because <laughs> I lost the house anyways. Well, the purpose got taken away. Correct. I, and I was no longer motivated. Yeah, I mean, you were in self-aware to understand that. but No. So motivation can only get us so far. Yeah, and I want to get into um, why addicts why they don't seek help, why they stop going to meetings, why they drop out of the program. And number one, and I want you to talk about this, number one is denial. Mm-hmm. Addicts often deny that they have a problem. They, And this is a big one with me with food addiction is they minimize the severity of the addiction. And I think that's really, really important. And so they it makes it difficult for them to be honest mm. and get help because if you're denying it or you're minimizing it, it's the same thing. Very good. Very good. I want to touch a little bit on what the, you just said, honest. <laughs> yeah, I'm in denial if I can't honestly see my behavior. If I'm not willing to look at the harm that I've caused in my addiction, then I can't be honest with how serious it is. So one of the nice tools that a recovery program should be presenting people is the opportunity to get honest about their bad behavior, about their delusional reality. 
And, you know, many recovery programs, uh, meet, they, they tell you to meet, uh, pen to paper. Mm-hmm. They say, write it down, write it down. You get an accurate survey of your conduct over the last decades, however many years it's been of, of my unconscious behavior. And then I can, I get an actual real view mm. of harm that I've caused. The real. Selfish view. decisions that I've made. It's black and white and it's right in front of me and I can no longer run from it. So it's like Morpheus showing Keanu Reeves. Yes. What's really happening. Yeah, right yeah, here. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're waking up. Yeah. You're waking up to reality. And if I'm in denial, A, I'm definitely not going to write that shit down. B, I can't even see it. I can't even see. I minimize how my how bad my behavior's been. It's okay. Well, I'm not under a bridge. Mm-hmm. Yes, I drink all the time, but I'm not under a bridge. I'm not willing to be honest that my drinking has pushed away my family. Mm-hmm. My drinking has lost every good job I've ever had. My drinking has uh, wrecked multiple vehicles and harmed others in the process. <laughs> right, right. My drinking has got me. I woke up with blood on me. Whose blood is this? Do you know? I don't even know whose blood this is. My drinking, take, my drinking takes me to all sorts of insane places. And until I'm willing to see that accurately... I'll behave in denial because the denial gives me an excuse to continue the bad behavior. So the denial, I like this. So the denial allows you, it allows you to look at your ego and say, yes, I can continue to do this. It's it's an excuse. Absolutely. To continue the addiction. Absolutely. So the denial is the dishonest matrix. It's, it's you living the lie. Mm. Yes. Because opposite of honesty is lying. Mm-hmm. So it allows you to lie to yourself and then allowing to yourself, you can play a victim or you can do whatever you want because there's no responsibility. And it's just, the denial is just one big excuse to continue the party. Yeah. If absolutely. you want to say, yeah. Absolutely. Jordan Peterson studied the malevolence over the 20th century. He was very interested in how World War II and communist China and and um, all, all sorts of horrific events took place. And he says, do you know how um, Nazi Germany became possible? One malevolent decision at a time. Yes. I have to be able to turn a blind eye in order to participate in the willing destruction of myself. I, I, I'm slowly killing myself with drugs and alcohol. And I had to be willing to turn away from the God consciousness inside of me that knew there was a better direction. And that's the same as denial. So denial comes from, I, I want you to think of you like early 20-year-old Dwayne. Is it so much fun to party and drink that you want to deny it? Because you don't want to give it up. It wasn't fun for a very long time. <laughs> it but was fun in the beginning. Wh- what do you think the motivation to deny it is? Like, like, is it like your identity is you're an alcoholic, or sure, yeah, that's part are, of it. Are, I that's mean, you use it. drugs. This is too, just but... who I am. This is what I do. My old self has to die mm. in order for. And me I don't want to be... have that happen. No, no, in order for me to be born into something new, it's very painful right. walking through death. So it's avoidance of pain. 
Um, it's unwillingness to change. The part of it is also just I don't know there is another option. Yeah, I have come down. Like I've gone down the rabbit hole so mm. far for so long. Like I've lived this way for so many years. Our alcoholic life is the only normal one. I don't know there's a different type of life. So our addicted life is all I'm used to. So my old self literally has to die in order to be born. Yeah, and that's tough. Like. And the, and that dying process mm-hmm. sucks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't want to feel that way. I'd rather feel numb with alcohol in my system Mm -hmm. than feel a responsibility. And we can perpetuate that for years. Yes, yes, yeah. I see what you're saying. Avoidance, denial, avoidance, denial. I couldn't possibly change. The only thing an alcoholic hates more than change is the way things are. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. I love that. I'm going to fight about reality and I'm going to fight having to change it. Well, that's the second one. So Mm -hmm. denial was the first. The second one is fear of change. Very good. You're just right on. You don't even know that you're doing this. But (laughs) addicts may be afraid of what their life will be like without drugs or alcohol. They may worry about losing friends, their job, or their home. So I want to get into this. Why why am I afraid? Why am I so afraid to not have drugs or alcohol? Like, is it the fear of the unknown or I don't know who I am? Or why do you think a person would want to keep that like what's the fear of change like yeah this is um you know this is a a a big a very big topic and a very big issue for anybody trying to enter recovery program and um it was hard accurately looking at myself and figuring out that i've made every single decision ever based in fear Mm. that we like to say that we all face that. Fi- uh, that, fi- that would yes, be the same. Yes, same with me. Fear is the corrosive thread weaving its way through the fabric mm-hmm. of our entire existence. Like it's it's in every part of every part of the, every decision I've ever made, and it's it's hard to look at that. Yeah, it's hard to look at that. I make decisions based out of fear. Some of the recovery language says uh, selfish and self centered fear. So I have fear of losing what I have, or fear of not getting what I want, and in my addiction. What I have is connection to the bottle. Yes. That numbs me out. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to look at the uncomfortable harm I'm causing in the world, the selfish decisions I'm making. I don't even have to look at it because I don't have to feel those feelings. I don't have to be in reality. I can check out. So, A, I'm afraid of facing reality. B, I'm afraid of losing what I know works. And unfortunately, if we go down the rabbit hole enough, it's not working anymore. I'm killing myself. I'm isolating myself. Right. I'm losing the things that actually care or create a whole full life, family, love, responsibilities. Those things all start falling away because I'm willing to prioritize the drink over any type of spiritual development, any mm. type of love development. I, d- I don't know what it is to have a connection with someone. Those things are all foreign to me if I'm behaving selfishly in my alcoholism. Yeah, for me, fear of change was, um, and this is what I, I, I talk to myself this way as a man, mm-hmm. is I'm being a coward. Mm-hmm. If I'm operating in fear and I'm not willing to evolve and adapt like creation does, mm-hmm. you know, all of creation, God created this earth, you know, and it evolves and adapts. That's that's part of life. If I'm not willing to change and I have fear of change, you know, then for me, 
personally, it's me being a coward. And I don't w- like me being a coward. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the person that hides when it gets tough. You know what I mean? I don't want to I don't want to be the person I watched that video and it was so horrific of the guy walking in France and stabbing little kids in the playground yeah, yeah, and people just running that. away or mm-hmm. and there were men. I hope that I would be, you know, and I've been in the military so I've confronted those things and been in combat and all that. So I would think that I would go towards that person and try to stop them with a knife, then I would run away as a coward and let him stab little kids. I don't want to be the person, and that's what I visualize. Like, I want to stand up for my family. Mm-hmm. If I if it's sacrificing my life for my family, I want to be that person. And if I'm in my addiction, I am that coward. Absolutely. I am not going to, st- I'm going to be self-centered and selfish and run away. I'm not going to stand up and take responsibility when I need to in that moment. Yeah. And that's embarrassing. And it hurt. It, it hurts like at me as a man. Sure. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. That type of existence is tragic. Yes, exactly. Not only is it tragic, it's disgustingly selfish. Disgustingly. That's a good it's word. Like, it's yes. just for me. Ugh. It's just yeah. for me. I could save my family or I could. I could preserve me and get out of here. Right. And I choose me. And and it's it's a betrayal of all that we hold sacred. Mm. It's a betrayal of all that we hold sacred. And that's what you're doing in your addiction, though. Exactly. I'm turning my back on God. I'm not willing to shoulder responsibility to connect to other people or 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 be of service or or live in this world in a in a productive way, in a sacrificial way. I just care about getting me mine. It's a very selfish existence. And, you know, um, there are a lot of analogies that we use and have used in previous episodes, but it's worth reiterating. Fear is often like a curtain. I think of it as a concrete wall. Like, I can't go through this. I don't know what's on the other side mm, of that wall. That's I, so good. I can't yes. even get through this wall. Yes. It's a barricade, and it's good. If I try to go through that wall, it's going to really hurt. And that's usually my denial and my delusion because I'm so afraid of change. But we say um, alcohol can often take us close to death, and that death can often be very motivating. <laughs> That's that initial motivation yes, yes. that you might walk into a program with, mm. into a recovery program with, and that, that motivation can help open the door. So if I'm motivated to take action and do something different, Maybe I'm motivated to try and attempt to go through that wall, regardless of the amount of fear involved in the process. And then when I actually take the action, I figure out, oh, you know what? This isn't a cinder block wall. It's always that way. This is like a curtain. Fear is an illusion. It's always. Yes. I don't know what's on the other side of the curtain, Mm. but I could get through a curtain. Right. I could step through that. The nice acronym for fear, future events appearing real. Right. That's not real. That's a wonderful spiritual tool that we have that we like to share with everyone. If, if you're in your mind, if you're thinking about how could I possibly change, how could I even get through today without drinking or get th- through today without the sugar, or without whatever it is, nice tool for us is, oh, that's not real. Can I spot the crazy thought? Can I be separate for at least a moment in my mind, from my mind. Up, 
there's a fearful thought. Well, you can get used to anything. I mean, like, uh-huh. I, I mean, like in combat, it's like first time yeah. you're throwing up, super sick, like freaking out, and then after a while, you're making jokes, having fun, hopping on the helicopter, not even caring, like almost like you're Superman, which is a fault, mm-hmm. you know. But it's like you should still be kind of scary, but. You can get used to anything. I remember you telling me the story of that golfer that flubbed it, you know, and then the difference in the money between the second place and the first place mm-hmm. is like last year or something Yeah, like yeah. That. You know, at the end, he like, with the tournament or whatever, he ended up, uh, I don't know if you remember that story or not, but I think it was, wasn't it last year he lost millions of dollars? This would He have, was way ahead. Yeah. And yeah. then at the, the last day or something, he choked. Yeah. This happens really often in golf. Like, yeah. They, they say, they call it a 50 hole. A fifty-four hole lead. It's like you've. It's a four-day tournament, and you've been leading for three days, and then you have to go home, <laughs> and you have to sleep, and you have to prepare yourself to play that fourth day, and you know on the other side of that fourth day is like a fifteen million dollar prize. Can you imagine making fifteen million dollars in four days? Yeah, yes, cr- yeah. yes, I can imagine. Yeah. Yes, I'm yeah, ready. Yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, exactly. However, not all the time, but often they they lose that lead. And they don't win the money because I had that long of a time to be alone in my mind. But it's fear. And to sit in the fear and to let that fear Mm -hmm. manifest, to let it fester, to let it surface. Worry. Yes, yes, yes. Worry pretends to be necessary. And in those moments, I have an opportunity to turn towards God. And we believe that the God consciousness inside of us is not capable of existing in fear you know and and this is like the fear of change and losing like you know you're already losing <laughs> like I you've already lost your family oh if, you're, if you're in your addiction and the friends that you're going to lose are not <laughs> friends they're not real friends anyway that's such a good you're point just, you're just trauma bonding yeah it's from like, addiction you it's know like, this guy is going to steal my wallet <laughs> and that girl over there i know she's slept with everyone in this room but God, I, I, these are my friends. And, I, <laughs> and if, it, it, I, what if I lose all my friends? And it's like, these ain't your friends no, at all. They don't and, even know what. They're yeah. not. Everybody's unconscious. So correct, no one knows correct. what true friendship is. The, in those environments, I'm, I'm there to see what you got from me. It's like, how, how many great friends did you get and understand through your 13 years? And in working with yes. programs and stuff that you've worked with and, and in addiction recovery and all that, how many true friends did you make? I've made some very powerful connections and lifelong friends. Yeah, exactly. Lifelong That's what I'm friends. saying. People that not, if I not, called, boom, I know they'd be there. Not the guys you were snorting coke with. No, those guys I don't even know anymore. I don't yeah. remember their names and the ones that I do, I don't know where they are. They but how deep me. are the two relationships compared to? Yeah, there's no comparison. Yeah. There's no comparison. It's like a puddle compared to the ocean. It's like <laughs> the depth that I have with, with those friends now, you know, I tell them my deepest, darkest secrets, and they love me anyways. Yes. Yeah, see, that's the awesome part. It's powerful. Where you would never share. It's just your connection with the bottle or the drug. Yes, yes. With the friend that, that's wild. So number two is fear of change. Number three, this is really important, shame. Addicts may feel ashamed of their addiction and embarrassed to seek help. They may worry about what others will think of them. Very good. (laughs) Very good. I'm very concerned about what you are going to think of me. Mm. And um, I think that causes addiction. Because I've talked to some pretty heavy-duty 
addicts. Mm-hmm. I'm talking like meth users, you know, like heroin users, stuff like that. And that was the thing is like they they wanted to be the life of the party. So they wanted to use alcohol or wanted to use drugs so they'll be accepted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this comes, I think, plays. It's like I'm worried about what others thinking of me, so I'm going to take this substance. You know, maybe that blocks it out, one or two. Maybe it's that because people have this tendency. I think we all do to a certain extent, but I think addicts, maybe, maybe this is like a trigger for for addiction. If you're overly simp- like empathetic, uh, like, uh, what do they call those? I- empaths or something empaths, like that? Yeah. If you're an empath and oversensitive to what other people are thinking about you, maybe that can be a avenue to lead to addiction. That's an interesting idea. I think that my brain can be so loud mm. in regards to what are they thinking about me? Am I wearing the right stuff? Narcissistic. Did I yeah. say something loud, stupid? Really yes. Are they going to like me? Oh my God, that was embarrassing. I shouldn't have fucking said it. It's like I have right. this whole sitcom going on in my head and I can never be present. I can never enjoy reality if I'm too busy with this manufactured thing, this manufactured story in my head. I'm not much, but I'm all I think about. Right. And <laughs> we also call that the itty bitty shitty committee. Right. It's like it's nonstop in my head and it won't shut up. And then boom, I get exposed to a substance and it goes away. So it definitely can contribute to my addiction because that's the time my brain shuts up. That's the time my um shame or worry goes away. Mm. Yeah, we call that's why they call alcohol social lubricant. It's like, boom, I instantly fit in. I had more money than I really did. I was taller than I really am. I'm stronger than I really was. And everybody likes me. So when you, because the embarrassment is part of the shame, you're not wanting to be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember you telling me that you're um, one of your mentors. Yes. You know, yes. he talks about this. Save my fucking life, man. So switch the perception. This is about shame and embarrassment in regards to going into recovery. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I have shame about admitting I have this issue, I have I have guilt or I have um an unwillingness to address this real issue. Oh my god, I'm an alcoholic. Oh my god, I'm a drug addict. Oh my god, I'm a gambling addict. I can Oh my god, I'm a sex addict. I couldn't possibly share this with other people. And um you know, we have to be vulnerable in order to be willing to change. And when I share that vulnerability with someone, even though the fear and the shame is still there, maybe that's me getting close enough to God, getting close enough to the shoes of inner being that there there may be some type of transformation that can happen for me. There's some type of magic that takes place for me. I remember going back. I had I had five months, 20 days sober. I relapsed because I was working 80 hours a week and I was not working spiritual principles. That's why I relapsed. However, um, it took me two weeks to get into the hospital, drinking the way I drink, and I went back to the recovery group that I had been exposed to, and I saw all the men Mm. and women that were teaching me a new way of living, and I felt like I had let them down, and I felt a bunch of shame reentering the program and a bunch of guilt around my behavior. And one of my mentors walked up to me and he said, 
Dwayne, I'm so glad to see you. And I said, yeah, yeah, I think I got it this time. And hit me real hard in the chest. And he said, you don't have shit. (laughs) God's got it. And he was telling me that I need to get in touch with spiritual principles in order to save my life. And and then he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Dwayne, there's no room for shame or guilt in this deal because I don't feel shame and guilt that you're here. You make us better. And it's a very paradoxical perspective to have that me entering a recovery program, even if I'm new, even if it's my first day, that my presence can improve the environment. And you don't know this at one day sober, but when you're one day sober, you give the other people in the room purpose. Mm-hmm. You, you reaffirm their reason for being there. Yes. They're there to help the newcomer. Because you just wouldn't want a bunch of... Yes. It'd be like living on an island the with the same five people. over and over again. Yeah, you hear horrible. the same yeah. message over and over again. You're not helping anybody. Mm-mm. You're there to help the person that walks in the door fresh. It's like vampires with blood. <laughs> it's like the new... <laughs> new blood. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. You're I mean, the, in a weird way. You're but. the FNG. When you're the yes. FNG, you're the most important person in the room. Yes. And you don't know that walking in the room. You're just terrified and, and riddled with shame. But do you think that the shame is narcissistic in the sense because everybody else experienced the same thing mm-hmm. in that room, and they all know that. So you feeling that emotion sitting there is just a form of the ego protecting you to not open up and surrender. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just more, um, absolutely, it's just more survival mechanism. It's like I've survived so long living this way with this hard outer shell, mm-hmm. and I don't know how to bring it down. Of course, I'm not going to bring it down and tell you what's really going on. What would you like somebody going into a meeting and being shamed or embarrassed? Maybe they're walking around outside, maybe they're smoking a bunch, you know, typical, yep. like, yep. and then not wanting to go in. What's a good affirmation or something that they could say to themselves over and over and over again to kind of to get them to get in there, you know? Mm, yeah, that's an excellent question. A nice, helpful tool could be something like, God, relieve me of my fear. Mm-hmm. God, relieve me of my fear. Just saying it over and over, over, and, over and over and over again. God, relieve me of my fear. Obviously, my fear is what's making it difficult to change. Like, get in the car, say it while you're driving. Yes. Just get in the car, make the commitment. God, relieve me of my fear. And then another nice mantra or affirmation is, um, God, make me teachable. Mm. God, make me teachable. If if I wasn't willing to change and my life was going perfect, I would not need the group. Yes. I would yes. not need recovery. Right. Like if my life was straight on track and everything was evolving and I was happy and growing and 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 present, I would not be showing up asking for help. <laughs> I'd be trying to offer others help. So when you when I am entering program for the first time. I need to be teachable. But the shame is an illusion. Very good. Yeah, it's not real. That's not real. That's not right. real. That might be another helpful mantra. Right. Yeah, That's not real. It's you gotta understand it. It's it's an illusion because no one is like, oh my God, look at this person walked in. Oh my God, look at them. They look like shit and they've only one day. There's no one in that room saying that. No. So that shame you're feeling walking into that meeting is false. Yeah. It's only on you. You're putting that on you for no reason. Well, it's we, not logical. We ha- it's not logical, but we do have years of conditioning, <laughs> years of conditioning mm-hmm. to beat ourselves up. We say all the time, if anybody was as hard on me as I am on myself, I'd beat the shit out of them. 
So I assassinate myself in my mind. That makes sense. Yeah. And, and then like, cause I think this is so important in the sense of I'm feeling ashamed, you know, so I, I have shame. I'm feeling ashamed. And this is kind of self-aware, but like me, I would be why. Like, why am I feeling ashamed? Mm -hmm. Like, I need to get clarity on that. Oh, you're feeling ashamed because you just stole from your dad or you mm -hmm. you took money from your dad. You were dishonest with your sister. You know, you lost three jobs in the last six months. Yeah. Like, why am I feeling ashamed now? Well, okay, that's why I'm feeling ashamed. But what does that have to do with these people in that room that wants to help me? Nothing. Nothing. There's a disconnect there logically, you know, and being self-aware. And that's really hard to do, you know, when you're caught up in your conditioning and your addiction. But for me, it's like gain that clarity and then take discipline. Mm. Like gain the clarity, understand why. What obviously, like you said, I mean, it's real simple. I wouldn't need to go to this meeting if my life was going perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. There's no reason to step into the meeting. There's no reason. Like, I'm not going to uh, cocaine uh, meetings. I've never had cocaine in my whole life. Yeah. It would be stupid for me to go to a cocaine meeting. You know what I mean? But I'll go to, like, a food meeting. And I, I was telling you, I had a surgery and was feeling super shitty, so I relapsed with food. You know, I was like, well, fuck this. I'm going to McDonald's, and I'm getting everything. <laughs> you know, so I just ordered everything, and I just... I didn't even, unconscious. Yeah. Not only just ordering the food, but just eating it so fast and unconscious, not even tasting it, not it even enjoying enjoyable, it. Enjoyable, yeah. It was just, I had to have this because I feel so shitty, you know. And it makes you feel something different. Yes, exactly. So I get this. I, I didn't have any shame because I'm self-aware enough to know, well, that was stupid. You're an idiot, Jason. Mm -hmm. You know, next, move on. And I think this gets into the next one. Uh, and and uh, Dwayne, I want you to talk about this lack of trust. Addicts may have been hurt in the past and they may not trust the meetings or programs can help them. Um, what's the whole idea of you thinking that you're different? Like it's helped millions of people, but it cannot help you. Yeah, yeah. That's my terminal <laughs> uniqueness. <laughs> I'm so bad and my life is so miserable that sure it works for you, but it couldn't possibly work for me. <laughs> and these Spiritual principles that are laid out in recovery programs are ancient. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are Jesuit principles. A lot of them are Christian principles. A lot of them are just like suck it up and be willing to change and adopt responsibility principles. Like we, we always joke, you know, that like, oh, religion stole this stuff from us thousands of years ago. Right. And recovery programs are only like 80 years old. You know? I, I, Buddhism calls it, and I, I really like it's a hungry ghost. Mm, very good. Yes. Yes. It's so good when you think about that. And the pictures are like a ghost that you would think like it's hungry, you know, like if you look at ancient Eastern Buddhist pictures, you know, of this hungry ghost, it's just mm -hmm. there like lurking, always wanting more. You know, and I always picture, I always picture this when, it, when, when I think of trust. It's like, what? Why do I have such a hard time with trust? Because I have a hard time with trust. So it's like, why do I have such a hard time in any relationship I'm in? Because it has nothing to do with the person; it has to do with me. Because it's Very every good. relationship. Very good. So my lack of trust that I'm going to get hurt. Why do I feel like I'm so separate that this person's going to hurt me? Because guess what? Everybody's human, like I am. So I've hurt people. Yes, yes. And they're probably, if I'm going to be in a relationship, they're going to hurt me at some point. 
but hurt is an illusion in and of itself. If, but if I'm just waiting for that, if I'm defensive and waiting for that hurt, and then my ego wants to go, ha, 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 look, right there. I was right. See where she fucked you over? Mm-hmm. See where he fucked you over? Look at that. There you were waiting. You know, I was talking, we were talking about business partnerships. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to like lone wolf it because I'm worried I've been hurt multiple times. But I didn't look at him as learning lessons. I'm like, fuck that motherfucker. You know, he stole $76,000, you know, yeah, out of the bank account. And I didn't even, you know, I had, I had no money. And then that money's gone. There's no way to get it back. You know, the person's in jail now. But, <laughs> but even then, I can't look at it and be like, ah, see, you, you motherfucker, you're in jail, you know. Here I am smoking cigars at Vintage with this person, getting to uh, know them for years. Christian person get into business with them. Next thing you know, they steal money from me, mm. you know? So it's like the hurt is my, an illusion or like I'm going, this person cheats on me. You know, I, that's a big one, you know, like, Oh, oh yeah. my God, I'm so hurt because this person cheated on me. They would have done that. Whether your name was Susan or Bill or Jim or Mary. That's very good. You know what I mean? So why like, like, when you think of like trust, like being hurt, like an addiction, do you see a lot of people with like their arm out trying to enter addiction mm. slowly because they're worried about that getting hurt? Almost everyone. <laughs> Almost everyone? <laughs> Almost everyone. Oh, so I'm not unique. <laughs> no, you're not unique. It's a very rare thing where someone comes in and they're just like, whatever you got, I'll take. Please. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes people are that desperate, and it's wonderful. We call that the gift of desperation. And you'll eat shit if we told you to eat mm-hmm. shit. If eating shit gets you sober, please, I'll, as much as yeah. you shovel, shovel shit. It in, yeah. Come on. And um, However, usually my unconscious behavior in my addiction has exposed me to some real malevolence. Mm. I've actually experienced some real bad shit. Whether that means other people being cruel to me, and what it usually means is me being cruel to others. Yeah, that's the same with me. That's what it usually means for most addicted people. Me being people. not open and cruel leads to malevolence. the hurt. It leads, exactly. I true, caused it a lot of evil. times by being yeah. evil. Exactly. If you want to use that exactly. Word. Evil or, or 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 just cruel. Just cruel. My behavior was unconscious and it caused harm. And so I was so guilty of causing harm to others. Why in the world would I expect or trust this these strangers to be kind? <laughs> Why would I trust that this would work for me? I'm used to just getting screwed over left and right. So we're simultaneously rewiring years of bad behavior and years of unconscious conditioning that this is going to fuck me up. Mm. I'm going to get screwed over. So that those things happen simultaneously. I'm rewiring bad behavior and I'm rewiring unconscious conditioning of this isn't going to go well for me. Right. Yeah, yeah. Be worried about this. Don't trust them. Don't trust them. Wait for the other shoe to drop. This is too good to believe, too good to believe. God does not play a zero-sum game. Mm. I have two good weeks, and then, oh, you better get ready. God's going to get you back to zero. Here comes two bad weeks. <laughs> the God doesn't do that. Mm-mm. The best indication of how tomorrow's going to be is how today was. So if I'm willing to change, if I'm willing to grow, if I'm willing to practice trust today, 
maybe I'll be willing to do the same thing and head in that direction tomorrow. Um, trust is a huge topic. We could spend an entire hour just talking on that. Um, but it's similar to the self-esteem. It's like, you want some self-esteem? Yeah, I'd really like some self-esteem. It's like, okay, start doing esteemable acts. Mm. Start behaving in a way that you can be proud of the man you are. It's like, okay, you want trust? You want us to trust you? Start taking some trustworthy steps. It's like show up when you say you're going to show up. Uh, Do the thing you said you were going to do. Uphold your side of the bargain. Trust is the single most important economic principle we have. Mm-hmm. Let alone, not like economics, yes, but just principle in general. Like, a, like eBay is wild successfully. It's, excuse me, a wild success. What should have happened is you send me broken shit and I send you a check that bounces. Yeah, exactly. That's what should have and happened. And you're talking about eBay, the marketplace. E- yeah. eBay has a 98% success rate Yeah, in regards to items and, and likes and whatever. I, I buy a lot of stuff yeah, from eBay. Yeah, love eBay. And so what's the common element of that? It's trust. It's I trust that you're going to send me something that works and you trust that I'm actually going to send the money. And if that element, example, if, that, yeah. if that piece is missing, you're not going to receive the gift. Mm-hmm. You're not going to receive the recovery. So I have to have trust in the middle, even if it's an unpracticed thing for me. Just like being honest, just like wanting to fill my heart with forgiveness, just like willingness to change, all of those things are very foreign in the beginning of a recovery journey. But you got to start somewhere. Yeah, I had a guy, and this was really cool. I was doing a leadership podcast, and he talked about he trusts people automatically, like right off the bat. Yeah. And I was like, that was like foreign to me. And I'm like, no, you got to earn trust with me. He's like, no, 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 why? It takes too long. Mm-hmm. He goes, just trust. Yeah, he goes, yeah, you'll have problems. People will screw you over, fuck you over, whatever. But he goes, majority of people, like you said, 97% of them. He goes, if you just trust people right off the bat. They'll do what they said. run with them. He goes, if you hired good and all that stuff, then, you know, you, it's going to, for the most part, it's going to go good. So if you could hop into that meeting, walk into that meeting, walk into that addiction program, walk into that you know, psychiatrist or whatever, mm-hmm. what, whatever, mm-hmm. what you're doing, and immediately just display trust. How would it go compared to putting your arm out? Same with a relationship. Yeah, like if you can walk into a relationship, say, "Well, this person's a good person," you know, and and I want I want to do a spiritual aspect of this because I think this is really good. And Jesus is a great example of trust, and we could talk about this, but because I, I want to go spiritual with this because this is really important. If you believe in understanding. And something I'm going to get into that's kind of wild, but third density, fourth density, yeah. all that stuff, you know, and, and we understand we're in a third density here. There's a veil of separation that we believe that is separate from our higher self or God or whatever you want to call it, universe. But if you really look at collective consciousness, there's no difference between you or I. I'm just a different reflection of what, of what God is. Mm-hmm. So if I'm just a reflection of what God is and your reflection of what God is, then there's no hurt that can be done. 
Very good. And this is heavy duty spiritual practices. So for me to get hurt, it's to me to believe an illusion of separateness from you. Yes. Instead of understanding what Duane was doing is just expressing his learning mm. in his level of consciousness. Very good. But it has nothing to do with me. Yeah. But you're like, well, he fucked me up. No, he didn't fuck me over. He wasn't thinking he, about he you. He wasn't all. thinking. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. That's powerful, James. That's a spiritual that's, practice. That's really powerful. No one can ever behave beyond their level of consciousness. Mm. And those people in the past that may have hurt me and broke my trust, they were just behaving at the level of consciousness they were at. And you're you're the guy that poked you really hard mm -hmm. because of the shame that you had. He was willing to forgive you right off the bat. I didn't even have to ask. And you said this weekend, you know, how people come up and just hug you right off the bat and seen you for years. Yeah. yeah. That's the demonstration of trust. Yeah. Absolutely. There's love wrapped up in the middle of that. There's like mm -hmm. God magic wrapped yeah. up in the middle of That's that. That's where the magic it's, happens. Yes, it's difficult to articulate, but it's a better way to go through life mm -hmm. with a trust practice and get screwed over a couple times, mm -hmm. but be open for the rest of it. Be open for the benefit. Be open for the change. Be open for the powerful existence that's available for us like i found purpose and meaning when i started trusting people yeah it's like ted lasso he they have a statement where it's a funny show but he's be a goldfish yeah like yeah, the goldfish memory, just short, short, memory, short yeah. just next <laughs> but that's such a great mentality because it's like why am i holding on to the past mm -hmm. and then allowing future jason which is not even the real jason that was in the past anyways and the past is an illusion i'm not that person anymore like you're not the alcoholic joint anymore right. your cells are different everything's different about you so why would i allow that thought that's unreal anyways of the past dictate me not having trust in a new relationship of something i'm doing now it doesn't even make sense when you played out this is very powerful stuff jake some of the uh spirit psychological teachings that we've been exposed to recently um deal with human beings and 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 climbing a dominance hierarchy and usually the thing at the top of a dominance hierarchy is the thing that sees and the thing that speaks mm. and we're very blessed because we get to do that here on this platform yes and god willing share our experience with someone else that might lead to some help um, but human beings can see. Our brains are actually based off of vision, and most mammals, their brains are base, based off of smell. Uh, vision is one of our highest senses, and human beings can meta-see. Mm. We can see so well, we can see into the future. <laughs> you can just imagine something in your mind. You and I are sitting at a table conducting a podcast right now, but in my mind, I can be on the beach in Barcelona. Oh, of course. Yeah. I can see it. Yes. And maybe I'll be there in six months from now. Yep. So I saw into the future. Mm -hmm. Like we can medicine. Right. However, the, another way to say that is human beings are bargaining with the future. I'm willing to make a decision now that's going to benefit future Dwayne later. We're the only creatures on planet Earth yes. that can do that. That's awesome. Yeah. Why not incorporate trust in my bargaining with the future? Can I trust that if I take this scary decision now, don't drink, mm -hmm. it's going to benefit future Dwayne later? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you'll still have your job come Friday. You didn't drink. 
Huh? You still have your job. You can pay your fucking bills. Mm-hmm. Huh? Go back to the recovery group. Learn a little more spiritual discipline. Wow, I got a friend. Now I'm not alone all the time. What else? What? How else could my future be benefited if I started taking trust-based decisions? Well, that's trusting yourself. Yeah. I mean, if you can't even trust yourself not to drink, then how can you trust someone else? Very good. I mean, it, it's real simple. But and, and I think, and we'll get into the next one because I think this is really important. And we'll close out on this one. But mental illness. Mm-hmm. Many mm-hmm. addicts also have mental health disorders, and and I have one. Uh, depression, anxiety, a uh, lot of depression um, that I've had. So I get this, and these disorders can make it difficult to stay motivated, to stay in treatment. And and for me, I've talked about this too. My depression, a lot of it is self pity. Um, but they've they've genetically shown, you know, with alcoholism, same thing too. Like, and, and we're learning more and more of this. This is so interesting. Um, the other day, I was watching a podcast, and the scientist was talking about. Uh, what are, are people that like throw up uh, bulimic bulimic that they found that there's a gene mm. that is like 90% more people will be bulimic really if they have this gene and it's it's not a lot of gene which there's not a lot of people that are bulimic you know but that's a horrible uh, disorder state disorder and a lot of people it's like 10 times more than than you'll die from bulimia 10 times more than alcoholism Drugism. Yeah. It's like yeah. really most a lot of people because it's you're basically starve yourself to death. Exactly. You know. So, but you see that's a gene that that people have. You know. So, I want people to understand that you don't have to be a victim to depression or to alcoholism or any of these things. Yeah, you may have a, a meat suit. Mm-hmm. You know, because that gene is part of your meat suit. Um, lean towards that direction. Yes. You know, but that proclivity, yeah. At the end of the day, you you have something that's higher than that. Very good. And that's the part that we talk about. Yeah, getting in touch with the non physical part <laughs> of us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another the real part of you us. You know, the epigenetics involved in that non physical source energy is maybe I have access to the most powerful pharmacy in the universe. Mm, that's good. I could turn on any genes I want. Yeah. Currently, I'm trying to regrow some hair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm praying and I'm inviting God into that process. I'm inviting non-physical into... So you're going to have like I a allow big myself, afro? Yeah. Next, <laughs> next, next one, guys, he's going to have... Two weeks. Abundance. I got an abundance of hair. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So thoughts become Grow things. Grow some for me too, bro. Thought, I'll try. <laughs> thoughts become things, thoughts become things, thoughts become things. So I want to be pretty focused on what I'm thinking about. Mm. Am I thinking about, man, I'm, I'm struggling and life is so hard, I hate this? Or am I thinking... God, help me be useful today. Mm. God, make me of service. Put me in position to be just, just make a difference today. Um, at the same time, we always say, you know, there are countless platforms and, and avenues available for help, and we yes. suggest that if you're in need of help, whether it be mental illness, whether it be addiction, whether it be depression, anything like that, that, um, you know, don't deprive yourself no. of the wisdom that's all around us. There, there are countless, you know, groups, psychiatrists, therapists, doctors. Um, there's the availability that is out there for help right now is more than it's ever been 
ever. And the biggest lie that you can tell yourself is that you're alone. I'm alone and my mental illness is kicking my ass so much I couldn't possibly get well. Yeah, you're not unique. There's there's millions of you out there. Yeah, that's that, a, that have yes. the same situation. And I guarantee you, and you're within ten miles of you, there's somebody that could partner up with you, can help you. Powerful, very powerful. I mean, yeah. you, you you. I mean, we looked in our town alone, just under like addiction programs and meetings and stuff like that. And I think you were telling me it's over four hundred meetings a week. Yeah, and this is like a million people mm-hmm. in Albuquerque. Yeah, and that this is just Albuquerque. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's there's a lot of areas like, in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I guarantee you whatever city you live in within a 30-mile radius, there's someone that could help you. Absolutely. You're not alone. Absolutely. Some of our strongest, strongest suggestions also are something like, if I'm willing to be honest mm-hmm. and admit that I have a life-threatening illness that needs addressing... And if I'm willing to take action, then I got a pretty good shot, regardless of how far down I am with the mental illness, how how uh, delusional I may be in regards to seeing reality. If I'm willing to be honest, and if I'm willing to take action, there's hope mm. for anyone. Anyone. In regards to finding recovery. Yeah, and I want people to understand that that you're not special. Mm-hmm. Like, there are people far worse than you. Absolutely. That have faced horrific... I've heard some stories that will just curl your skin, you know, like... Uh, I was listening to a lady the other day that was... She numbed her addiction with alcohol because she had, like, 10 men when she was little, you know, take advantage of her yeah. as a child. Horrific. You know, so... There's people that have gone through some heavy shit and they would be more than happy to have a conversation with you. Absolutely. And put their arms around you like you've experienced. How many How many people have you experienced that's loved on you, put your arms oh. around you in 13 years? How many? Countless, but you can't count. Yeah, you can't count. They, they, how many people that you believe have been honestly loving towards you yeah. as a human to, to another human that, that have helped you? It's part of the miracle of the recovery programs, that, that love that's available for us. You can't put a number on it. I have been, they always say, we'll love you till you can love yourself. Mm. And that takes what it takes. It takes exposure. It takes practice. It takes giving it a try and give it a try. That That's a great, yeah. Just try it. Just, just go. Try, yeah. What you got something better to do? You're, <laughs> yeah. you're dying from, and, from and, this and, situation. And there's Zooms. Yeah. There's no excuse. You don't now. have to. You can use your phone mm-hmm. and go on and listen and yeah. not hook on the camera or put Absolutely. your camera on. Absolutely. Yeah, there's so many different. You don't have to leave your bed. If you're stuck in bed, mm-hmm. get on your phone, in bed, get on the laptop or whatever, and attend a meeting. Yeah. And there's an evolution to that. If I'm willing and I, I'm seeking God, and I'm seeking solution, there's some magic unfolding that takes place, and it's like, wow, I got this guy's number. Oh, wow, we went to coffee. Man, I left my house. Oh, my gosh, this guy knows a therapist. Oh, my God, the therapist exposed me to the appropriate medicine that helped shift my perspective and now I'm, I'm holding down a job and oh man, it's, I got a month sober. And, and like, there's a huge evolution mm. to this practicing of trust and getting honest and taking action. And you can revolutionize your entire life mm. and find a life that's worth living. Yeah. And if you're thinking about relapsing, I was just a comedian. He was talking about this. He's like, 
I did two Zooms a day mm-hmm. plus did a meeting. Wow. Because I, I, I was that dying. Crazy. I was that crazy yep. relapsing. And he's like, if I didn't do that, and he did it for like four or five days straight. And then it finally, you know, he was able to have enough spiritual principles through that and have enough people help him. But he's like, I had to, there was tons of meetings. So I just hopped on one, you know, and he's like, I was feeling the urge. I was feeling the urge really bad. Almost. He's like, I drove past. He's like, well, I'll just get some weed. Mm. And he, so he drove past the weed shop. It was like parked and then like almost went in. Yeah. So th- there's so much help yep. for you. And now 2023, you can zoom all over the globe. <laughs> I could go to meeting in Israel. In Barcelona. Yeah, I could beach. go to meeting in Barcelona. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and like, so now I got no excuse. It's just, it's just me and my cowardice that keeps me from turning towards the sunlight of the spirit. That's wild. Well, thank you, Dwayne. Thanks, bro.